Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Not In 1860, in the frontier borderlands where North met South, you didn't fight for the blue or the gray. You fought for your friends and your family. You fought for everything that we ever had. It's just that... We don't have it anymore. An immigrant son. I was raised here. These are my people. A young aristocrat. This fight's got to be made in our own country. A woman alone. Jake, you stay put. There's going to be a fight. A freed slave. He's a damn fine scout. The Yankees want to kill him real bad. Outsiders waging a war of their own. From Ang Lee. The director of Sense and Sensibility and the Ice Storm. What kind of liberty is it that takes away the liberty of others? I ain't never again gonna be nobody's nigger. Have you ever betted a woman before? I thought maybe you and me could just ride back home. Ride with the devil. So, riding with the devil. Uh, <laughs> here we are. Why don't you Why don't you start us off with with you know this uh, classic movie <sighs> so based this... on "Woe to Live On"? Yes, woe, <laughs> woe to us. <laughs> uh, difficult, difficult to get through. I'm not, uh, generally speaking, not a, a period piece kind of guy in particular uh, as i think we've discussed before i'm not a big war movie kind of guy so we're going back to uh, the civil war setting with the uh bushwhackers and the jayhawks and you know i i have like a cursory knowledge of this this stuff so uh i don't know if this was any particular interest to you and they just butchered it uh or just we're just way off the mark by including this here but i'm guessing it's on the list because of the filmmakers involved and that this was at least initially seen as an important film in the uh fall of uh, 1999 and uh yeah it was a box office 
a disaster, I guess. It's <laughs> the only way to, to, to put it. And uh, it didn't end up getting the awards attention that I guess it needed to uh, to be competitive at, in the uh, the box office. But yeah, it's got a uh, murderer's row of bushwhackers. Right, Zook? With uh, <laughs> Spider-Man. Tobey uh, Maguire, pre-Spider-Man. It probably would have helped if he had done a Spider-Man <laughs> movie. Maybe not that much. But uh, same year, same year as another movie we've yet to talk about, uh, The Cider House Rules, we have coming up, which which did do well at the Oscars. Also had Miramax's backing, correct? And this was... Well, yeah, uh, those two things went hand in hand <laughs> in, yeah, in 1999. <laughs> universal. Um, you have uh, Skeet uh, Ulrich as uh, Jack Scream. Post Scream, Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> Didn't didn't help. Did not didn't help. help. <laughs> and pre Titus, uh, Jonathan Reese Myers is that his name? Yeah. Uh, you you sent me a text about him earlier, and you you don't like this guy. You have you have you know, some I, sort of beef with him. Well, well, I mean, I like him in other movies. Uh, but I I think we'll get into it. But I think you know, yeah, this is I, I think it's one of the worst performances uh, we've seen in 1999. To, to me, it reminded me a lot of Jar Jar Binks in episode one, <laughs> just because he physically looks a lot like Jar Jar Binks with this like long kind of reddish hair. And he's just kind of bouncing around the screen uh, the whole movie and, and really being really showy. Um, weird kiss off thing he does with his hand when he's yeah, walking away from yeah. someone. Uh, yeah, there's there's some weird mannerisms here. He's you know, he's definitely got very distinctive eyes to, I guess, play like creepy villain uh here but uh it is very much laughable at times anytime there's a uh their their attempt at a heat moment <laughs> their, their version of pacino <laughs> de niro with uh pre-spider-man toby and him uh you know just just biding their time to have their their final uh climactic shootout and i guess spoiler alert for ride with the devil uh they even fail at that miserably all this all this build up and uh Boy, this is a, uh, I don't know, like, it, it's, I could see where this was a novel, where it just kind of meanders and goes in different directions, but mm-hmm. this is over two hours long, about 2.20. Uh, I believe in the marketing at the time, they were making a big deal about uh, Jewel making her uh, film debut uh, as an actor, which didn't really go anywhere, but for long stretches of the film, there's like this love triangle aspect, uh, which continues on even after one of the participants is killed. There's, there's still like a will they or won't they type thing. Uh, it's 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 a slog to get through. It's it's it was very tough. Uh, as prior listeners can tell by all the other events in the world, uh, boy, coming to a dead stop with Ride with the Devil. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's going to stop a podcast in its tracks. So, but this has a Criterion bin. Has this had some sort of? Yeah, thank God, thank God for the for the good people at Criterion <laughs> for resurrecting this one. We we were all done with it. <laughs> Uh, the world was done with Ride at the Devil, but uh, they said no. This, this, we have we have to bring the director's cut, uh, and then people can see. Um, now, did you watch thing. the director's um, cut for this, or no? Well, have you I ever think, seen it? I think you probably did too. I think that's the only really cut available now on, okay. on home video. It, it, did, was it two and a half hours long, or was it two hours and twenty minutes long? Uh, well, that's a good point. I, I don't remember. IMDb's got it at two. T- 220 or 218 but the uh criterion version uh yeah is, yeah two and a half uh, i don't know i was i was streaming it off of uh stars which is my you criterion pr- it was probably of it was probably if it was an hd copy it was probably 
the director's cut, okay, uh, most right. likely. And and I, I mean, I can't imagine you know what wonderful texture is gone missing from the theatrical version uh, that you know is responsible for its you know commercial uh, bombing in 1999 uh it's hard to imagine i think i think you're kind of yeah yeah i think you're, you're basically heading in the right direction in terms of identifying that you know there's no one really to root for here there's not really a storyline here that that really involves you or, or or captures you emotionally you've got these people who have joined uh you know toad mcguire and skeet Ulrich's characters who have joined the Jayhawkers, correct? No, they're the uh, oh, no, bushwhackers. They're the bushwha- okay, they're yeah. the bushwhackers uh, who who are basically like a sort of disbanded and and uh, uh, disorganized um, fraction faction of of the North during the Civil War or of uh, the they, South. The South, yes, during the, the Civil War, yeah. Yep. And and the and their hometown has been attacked by the Jayhawkers. Um, who who are a, a faction of of the union? Correct, right? Localized in this uh, Missouri Missouri Kansas sort of border uh, war that they're having of sorts. So first of all, we're very very much in the weeds of like civil war yep. history here. <laughs> yes. Like even Ken Burns is probably you know a, kind of snoozing a bit. Uh, he, like listening to this, you know, um, he's waiting for Jewel to show up. Most assuredly, <laughs> that's what he was interested in. But second of all, okay, I think one of the big issues because I do want to try to be constructive um, because I do like uh, Ang Lee a lot, and I think when he fails, he really fails big and, and miserably. Um, and so I think one of the huge problems is that the 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 big inciting incident for. Rodell, uh, Tobey Maguire's character uh, here is, is, you know, when his town is attacked and when his parents are killed, it's a real blink and you miss it kind mm-hmm. of moment. You really don't absorb, um, you know, that or, or what it means to him as a person uh, much at all. The the very next scene, they're, you know, they've got their long ass hair and they've joined up with Jonathan Reese Myers and, you know, they're killing people indiscriminately. Uh, basically, uh, you know, and, and, and yeah, I, I just, from the very get go, you're really not with them. Uh, you know, and you compare that to a movie, which, which is now controversial in 2020, uh, Gone with the Wind, you know, you've got characters there who are part of the South and who have had slaves and everything. Um, but you can see what, uh, Mervyn Leroy and all the other people, all the other screenwriters involved in everything, um, you know, with that movie, you can, you know, there was so much work, uh, you know, done to, to, you know, to make those people empathetic and, and interesting and emotionally engaging. Uh, here, it's just, you know, th- these are just really dirty, uh, kind of gross characters and they never really come above, uh, you know, that level at all. Uh, and then you have this character of, uh, Holt, uh, played by uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright, who is a former slave who is also uh, fighting with the Bushwhackers. Yes, the Bushwhackers. Um, <laughs> so he's fighting with the Bushwhackers. Well, you know, he doesn't really have a whole lot to say about, you know, the, the situation, uh, you know, that he's in. And, and I want, and that seems like a very conscientious choice, but I wonder if that was the right one to, to go with. Well, he's obviously his his arc uh, i mean he doesn't reveal anything about himself uh until the, the man who was responsible for his freedom that he has 
you know, they, they make the distinction that he's not uh, the property of this other white man, but he is he is loyal to him. Um, oh, I mean, not to not to, to be offensive here, but in that that sense that he he owes him uh, his his life. So, I mean, the the way he's treated uh, and then sort of the pecking order hasn't changed, which is, you know, that's an interesting thing to play with anyway. Like he's, he's technically a free man, but he's still beholden. Uh, to his his white savior uh, here, uh, who doesn't start to sort of verbalize his own thoughts or hopes or dreams until that uh, relationship is severed uh, through uh, combat, uh, through death. But he still, he, you know, he still is playing like this sidekick role to Tobey Maguire as as well. Uh, maybe it's a little more loose when it turns into this third act kind of love story with with jewel but uh it, the movie I, I found you know i i already said that there's a lot of stops and starts with this one but I, I felt like the movie uh was kind of pushing me to disengage from it multiple times because i think okay we're we're is this a revenge story about uh you know your your land being taken and and the brothers fighting brothers there's a Another blinking miss it sort of cameo from Mark Ruffalo here as someone from their their town who has been captured. He's fighting for the other side, and you have the uh, Jake character played by Tobey Maguire make uh, a conscious decision to get him out of that situation as a prisoner of war who, in all likelihood, will be put to death by this group uh, to to use him uh, to as a messenger and a sign of goodwill to trade him for other prisoners. And then later on the film, it's just revealed by yet another uh, random long-haired fellow uh, looking like an extra from, like, Almost Famous or something, comes up and is like, hey, you remember that guy you freed? Yeah, he went to your hometown. He went straight there, and he killed your dad. <laughs> that's that's what you get. And I also don't think having – like, I've never been a Tobey Maguire fan uh, in particular, like I, I liked him well enough in uh, Pleasantville before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I the just Ice watched Storm. that. I just watched that. Ironically, you know. Okay, uh, much more fun and engaging, I'm guessing, than this. Um, but here, here, I mean, I think he's probably like the best of these particular group of uh, bushwhackers. Like I, the the killer for, from Scream. I, I've never thought that. Skeet well, great, ever. great for just spoiling it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could drop another spoiler, but I guess I won't uh, dig uh, that hole even further. Uh, man, wouldn't that be a terrible way to ruin Scream? Someone just randomly <laughs> listening to a Ride with the Devil podcast. <laughs> why, why don't you tell them what happens at the end of Planet of the Apes and uh, Sixth Sense and Usual Suspects while you're at it, uh, Dennison? <laughs> I apologize. Uh, there is one other surprise, I guess, at the end of the screen. But what is not a surprise is that Skeet here, uh, you know, he never developed into much of, of an actor. He's See, you one say of those... that's not surprising, but I, I do find that surprising. I felt like he was on a very interesting kind of trajectory for a bit, and, and I don't know what happened. I may, maybe think he got I mean, typecasted. Is there a performance of his that you like? Because I've never really liked well, him. Well, anything. Scream, for sure. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what else he did after that but he he's in as uh, as good as it gets as uh you know the the sort of uh scoundrel uh like the kid off the street that's uh that 
uh, posing uh, for the uh, the painting. Well, you're right. He really wasn't in anything past this, uh, like at all. I would like to see him make a comeback. I would be interested in that. You have a weird thing with certain. You know, there are certain actors that I think we can just all admit that it's uh, easy to write them off. And him and uh, Chris Klein. Uh, this is a strange uh, defense. Uh, this this. Well, you know, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino has made like a whole career out of being mm. obsessed with you know random actors from uh, from when he was a kid. Well, you know, why, why, like why, oh, why can't I? Like he is doing okay for himself in Riverdale. I think the the uh, Archie, you know, the the dark Archie series on the CW or something. I have never uh, watched that, but I part of me thinks it's something I would enjoy. Well, he's he's in it. It looks like for at least sixty two episodes. So a, a regular cast member of that. I hope that's not a spoiler for <laughs> any sort of Riverdale that you're about to get into. <laughs> All right, so back to Ang Lee and his his very very sad uh, disaster of a movie. Uh, this is like this is like bottom. This is like you know down there with with Wild Wild West uh, and mm-hmm. I guess Episode One and a few others. I forget right now. Tarzan. Uh, <laughs> no, no, sir. How dare you? <laughs> but this is really. But I just want to stress. This is really down there for me. I think very little of this works. It reminds me a lot of Gangs in New York. Hmm, the okay, Scorsese yeah. movie, except that movie has a lot of spectacle. That movie has a really good Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Yep. It has at least one or two really strong scenes. But they both kind of feel like way too ambitious, kind of hokey, kind of a, a circus atmosphere of production value um, that goes off in, in too many different directions. The In the third act here, we get this raid on uh, Lawrence, uh, Kansas, where the, oh God, okay, the Bushwhackers, the Bushwhackers are raiding uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Jake Rogan. Pit. Bring those two outside. I want to show them something. We'll see to them once we've had our vittles. Why, you little Dutch son of a bitch. You do what I tell you or I'll kill you. And when you figure to do this mean thing to me, Mackison, is this very moment convenient for you? It is for me. Let's just take him out. No, that won't work. A hair with it. There's plenty more of them Jayhawkers to kill anyhow. I'll see you back in Missouri, you tiny sack of shit. You know where to find me. And boy, that, that, that's got to be something that was extended for the director's cut because uh, it just goes on for a good 20 minutes of, um, you know, just a scene after scene of stuff that I'm just not sure what we're supposed to be, ga- what, what, what is that supposed to be giving the movie at this point? I don't really see, uh, I don't really see our main characters here growing or learning or doing anything different. Uh, it, it, it just feels like a random kind of mess of, of stuff happening. Now, Ben, th- think of the poor Civil War reenactor reenactment people. Who got work. They got, know, yeah, yeah, they, they got work. And, you know, if this was uh, cut down, the theatrical thing, uh, how disappointing would, would that be? That that was their, their big moment. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll admit when it was on, I thought, okay, are we building to the end of the movie here with, you know, this historical event? Uh, and they even the characters themselves say this is like our last stand. Like, they, they know that they're... Uh, they're either going to their deaths, or this will be the the last, um, the last fight that matters uh, or has any sort of significance. 
even if it is, it really is just to kill and maim a lot of people, be them mm-hmm. civilians or jayhawkers. Like, there doesn't seem to be any sort of tactical point to it. And from what I gathered, because as it was on, you know, uh, thank you, Stars, for doing picture-in-picture picture on my iPad, I get on Wikipedia to be like, what is this? Was this was this important? And uh, apparently, historically, it's just known as an act of revenge. Like, there was, there was nothing, no strategic advantage to it. It was just bloodshed for the sake of it. And, you know, including in the film kind of feels like that, too. It just feels like, okay, it's it's time for a lot of uh, bullets to fly in the middle of it, uh, or maybe even towards the end, I guess. You have uh, Jonathan Reese Myers mugging and taking pot shots at Tobey Maguire. They have this, like, I always hate in these type of movies, like, um, The Patriot is one that comes to mind with Mel mm-hmm. Gibson. Now, far more populous and effective at being popcorn entertainment, uh, certainly more so than this. But how in the middle of this spectacle and this combat, it becomes this one-on-one fight between two men who just yeah. just walk <laughs> through all these other people swinging swords, firing bullets. <laughs> this is a much lesser version of that than uh, you know having a genuine movie star like Mel Gibson charging across the battlefield, uh, having Tobey Maguire scream in pain and then just kind of yell on his horse as uh, Jonathan Reese Myers just kind of hams it up and smirks and rides off. Um, yeah, a, a lot of this there's not there's not a ton of payoff. I, I think the only thing I liked uh, about it, uh, and we're really getting to spoiler territory here, if you care uh, for Ride with the Devil, was the uh, forced marriage and the befuddlement that Tobey Maguire has uh, his reaction on uh, having to take that step into adulthood with a, a beautiful young lady that he seems to have some affection for. That was about it. That was like the only moment where I was kind of engaged with what was about to be said or what was going to happen next which is probably probably not a good sign for a film that's two and a half hours long yeah befuddlement befuddlement is right i don't i wasn't just like everything else in the movie i just wasn't really sure what they were going for uh and it's certainly humorous you you said you're not a fan of period pieces earlier i i do like a good period piece and, and something like this really makes me appreciate how solid and balanced, you know, some of those great Merchant Ivory movies, you know, like The Remains of the Day or, or Howard's End, um, you know, can be. And I'm trying to think of a war movie example of that or a movie that has a backdrop of a war. There's a really strong Jimmy Stewart movie from 1965 called Shenandoah. Have hmm. you have you seen that or heard I'm of it? Not not heard of it. No, it's really good. I I I think that would be a Michael Dennison joint. That is a really okay. strong uh, Civil War uh, movie. It is and it, and it's a it's a it's a war movie where the war is largely a backdrop, and that's what makes okay. me think that you that you would like it quite a bit. Uh, it's it's very moving. It's the opposite of of this movie. Uh, so the Patriot, yeah, the Patriot, and I, and I, I doubt we'll ever do two thousand movies from two thousand or whatever. Uh, I know we talked about it at one point, <laughs> but but uh, Patriot is not a movie that I like uh, very much. But com- yeah, comparing it to to this, you really do see the weaknesses uh, in the Patriot. You know, you get you get you know two really strong uh tragedies uh uh you know that center that whole movie and at the very least you're you know you're like okay i i understand why mel gibson wants to kill this guy and and you mm-hmm. know i understand what's going on uh you know here is just, just every everything feels so random um everything about the character's journeys uh 
I I don't like the very end uh, in this movie, and I guess we should give a spoiler alert for it. Uh, I don't know who would care, but <laughs> Those you know. poor Scream fans are like, "Oh, yeah. now you do it." Oh, well, thank no, you. the Scream fan. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> he's long gone by this point. So, <laughs> so in the ending here, you got Riddell and you got Jewel and you know his child, and they're with Holt, Jeffrey Wright, and they they run across Jonathan Reese Myers again, who for some reason has become the main antagonist. Uh, you know, not sure why, not sure what, what it is about him that, you know, is really goading Tobey Maguire's character on. But they get into it, into a tussle and they get into a uh, standoff and, <laughs> uh, and, and Maguire decides to spare his life. I just don't know why. I, I don't know what that means, you know, for his character. You know, it all just feels kind of kind of empty. There isn't any satisfaction for me uh, from from seeing Maguire make that choice. Oh, so we're going to take a minute to recognize that Cox Communications is the worst <laughs> ISP uh, in the world. There, nobody does it worse than them. Which uh, is saying something. I, I don't think many people are fans of their uh, internet service providers. I'm pretty sure that there's a file on me, a uh, really thick file. Uh, yes. on me at, at Cox Communications <laughs> based on the number of irate phone calls that I've had uh, with different people who work there. Uh, so I was just agreeing with there being a file on you in general. Just <laughs> Well, yeah, that too. That too. But I was really more referring to the, to the Cox file. Uh, so when last we uh, got interrupted, um, we were discussing the ending of Ride with the Devil where... Tobey Maguire's character doesn't shoot Jonathan Reese Meyer's character, and mm-hmm. I don't know why, and I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean to the movie as a whole. And so uh, I think we're about wrapping it up with, with that movie, but I wanted to toss that back to you to see if you had anything to, to share in regards to that. Well, it's certainly not uh, fulfilling in the traditional sense of these these type of stories. Uh it was, I don't know, is it pity that stays his hand? Because they uh, kind of go out of their way to make uh, the, the two men that I guess were previous allies uh, of Riddell, you know, they, they look a little rough around the edges. Um, they they look like they've been through it. And, I mean, it makes no practical sense, given <laughs> previously this psychopath uh, shot at, shot at him and his uh, friend when they were in the middle of combat against many other people who were aiming to kill them both. Uh, so I, I I mean I don't I guess it's romantic, uh, kind, decent in a certain sense. But I would think that uh, in this setting that this particular character would have even more reason to protect himself and now his uh, new wife and uh, and child. So, eh. I mean, I, I just shrugged. I was just thankful that it was wrapping up one way or the other, Ben. That, that's where I'm at with this ending. <laughs> you didn't have to listen to the commentaries, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I certainly did not. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> I guess I didn't have to either. I just felt compelled, uh, you know, to be a completist in, in regards to... Because I do really like Ang Lee, and I, and I think a lot of times I come off like an Ang Lee apologist or something. Um, I... I, I I enjoy the Hulk more than I than I should. Um, 
Which is a movie really I good, thought about. Uh, good Nick Nolte performance. I yeah. like him in that movie. Mm-hmm. But it's a movie I thought about in regards to this because they are they are kind of similar. Both this and then um, another movie which you probably didn't see. Uh, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime mm. Walk. Um, you know why I never saw that one, Ben? And maybe you can it sucked, speak to that. Because it sucked and well, everyone no. who saw it told you it sucked. <laughs> no, I was... Uh, honestly, it was one of those sort of uh, marketing mishaps. I'm putting it on uh, the studio and the filmmakers where they were making a huge deal about the uh, the specific <laughs> format that uh-huh. you need to see this in, which was not available at all to me in you know, the four or five theaters that were playing it because they were not going to give it the, uh, I guess, the, the prime uh, specific uh, screening room that would be capable of uh, such frame rate madness. And, you know, if you're going to hang your, your hat, your marketing hook on... Uh, this new way to see this movie, this uh, you know new technical style, uh, and then it's not going to be readily available. Then, in some ways, you're selling me an experience that I can't have. So why even have the uh, the the diet coke version of it? So I just never bothered. The whole frame rate uh, discussion is just a whole another can of worms that I probably shouldn't get into. Uh, I I just. I have nothing. I I don't really care. I really don't care. I think if something look, I think if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Twenty three point nine seven frames per second looks great. I don't know why people feel compelled to um, go beyond that. Uh, I I don't get it. Anything else looks unnatural. At the you know, well, c- certainly no one felt compelled to watch <laughs> in any <laughs> format. Uh, I don't know if it really worked out for the. Uh, I guess the hobbit that's the only one other one that comes to mind that uh peter jackson was giving a big push for that but uh i don't like it i, I don't i don't need uh, a return to uh, uh the sort of home video aesthetics even if it is uh, very sharp and crystal clear uh just look like reality television uh, mm-hmm. to me yeah um yeah, so. that's uh, that's my answer to the ending of Fried with the Devil. Let's talk about another film that I did not see was far <laughs> well, more interesting. What I was leading into is that I think it's one of his central weaknesses as a storyteller. He seems to think that if he just presents these war-torn characters, you know, like like Eric Bana's character in The Hulk or uh, the main character of Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. He seems to think that if he just presents them, that's good enough, and he doesn't really have to examine, you know, hmm. their that's underlying scars and all that. And that's yeah. what goes on here. It's just sort of, you know, very blank and empty um, at the end of the day. December 31st, 1999. The end of a century. The end of a millennium. The beginning of the end. He's coming for you, Christine. Can you see him? Who are you? How do you know my name? He's gonna find you, Christine. The Dark Angel is loose from his prison! Get down on the ground! You don't know what you've done! You said here the guy spoke to you. Yeah, so what? The guy doesn't have a tongue. Listen to this. I've seen the earth laid to waste. Take it easy. You're the good guys. They tried to kill me. Why? She's been chosen. Chosen for what? If the dark angel consummates your flesh as this human body before midnight on New Year's Eve, 
then he unlocks the gate of hell. I've come for my wife, Christine. Let her go. How can you expect to defeat me when I am forever and you are just a man? The end of days. <laughs> Y-O-Y-2-K. Um, all right. Go ahead, Dennison. <laughs> no, wait a minute now. Why Why am I launching into this one? Like, uh, Okay, uh, I'll, do, I'll do it. I'll do it. You, you, know, you gave me Ride um, with the Devil, which was difficult enough. We were trying to get the... Uh, <laughs> The damn bushwhackers straight from the the Jayhawkers and uh, all of that. So, uh, yeah, I'll give you End of Days, which I think is a cleaner premise. The devil yes, is back. The devil is back. The rest of the, you know, nuances of the plot. She does not matter. Uh, who cares? Like, you know, the devil is back. It's a sort of similar setting to uh, set up to, to the omen in that you've got this person who I guess was chosen from birth to and and you know her existence is going to bring about uh you know the devil is going to like claim her and and then you know he's going to be able to come back and take over and 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 it's somewhat connected to all the computers that are changing their dates right at uh on December 31st 1999 which is something that hasn't come up a whole lot uh it, it came up you know three years ago when we watched uh, Office Space, <laughs> and, and it hasn't really come up again until now uh, in End of well, Days. That's, uh, that's something I was going to ask you. They really weren't counting on much uh, runway with this being relevant, were they? This this releasing uh, near Thanksgiving uh, 1999, not even for the, the home video release, uh, would, this, would this matter? Uh, I, I think I would have expected expected something like this like the year before, honestly. Um, but, you know, I think you, you probably said it best. It, it, it just doesn't matter uh, at all. And I th- I've seen this a few times. I think I rewatched it once. And uh, so watching it for this podcast, I, I fell into the same trap that I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt that it's like, well, that was probably more fun than I remembered. Right, like that was probably sillier, and it's you know it's it's Schwarzenegger end of days. Uh, it's going to be over the top in a way that's satisfying to me, and uh, it never is. Ben, it, it's oh, see, I thought you were, I thought you were leading in a different way there. <laughs> I, suicidal Arnold, not my bag. It's just you know I, I I don't know like Arnold fighting the devil, like fist fighting the devil. I'm all over it, but. This this version of Arnold, uh, I I do not care for, and you know it is such a a silly premise uh, and and a hook here. Uh, I feel like it's just, it's just bogged down, uh, and it just seems like terrible miscasting to to put Arnold in something like this. Like I I, I want him cracking jokes, uh, I want him flexing, I want him uh, cocky as he as he goes to fight all this demon spawn. I, I don't know. I don't like Morose Arnold at all here. So look, here's my defense of End of, of Days. Morose Arnold. So and I, and I think I did have to watch it uh, twice uh, over the over the course cause, just because we were gearing up to talk about it once, and then we were gearing up to talk about it again. And um, it's not a movie I, I you know it's not a movie that I don't enjoy. I really, I actually enjoy watching it. Um, 
kind of maybe on a somewhat the same level as like House on Haunted Hill uh, that mm. we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, so in, in the 90s, in the late 90s, you know, if I was to say to you, okay, close your eyes and, you know, picture the typical Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Deniston, what would you picture? Uh, in, in the late 90s? Yeah, in the late 90s, maybe mm. 80s. I guess. Well, 80s is, is different because there's some genuine classics there. But like, but if you only see what, one thing, you only see one thing, what do you see? If you're asking me in the late 90s, the only thing I remember is Eraser, like, which was... And, and what think, does he do in Eraser? Uh, Eraser. I remember he, sh- he shoots an alligator. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and not just that, but he shoots a bunch of other people. Uh-huh. And, he, you know, at, in the typical uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, he goes around and he is shooting a ton of people. And uh-huh. he never really ha- he's never in any sort of real danger himself uh, for the most part. And that was the criticism against the Arnold Schwarzenegger act- action movies was that hmm. in like, I don't know, Commando and uh, all, all the rest of those is Commando that, is fantastic. I, I will haven't not seen hear. it. I actually haven't oh, seen it. So, I love Commando. But uh, my, the point, the point I'm trying to make is that that was the criticism against all those Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicles was that he's just going around shooting 100 people in Last Action Hero. You know, they actually mm-hmm. they keep track of how many people he shot as sort of a meta uh, in-joke in regards to, to his movies. Um, what they do here is kind of, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, you've got, like, like you said, you've got a guy who is wounded to the point of not being heroic, uh, it's more of a Martin Riggs kind of setup uh, with him the first time we see him. Uh, suicidal, uh, in a dingy apartment, not really ha- holding it together. Uh, and then, and then, and then, and it's a much darker movie than you would expect uh, in comparison to his other films. And in the ending, you get something that happens that is unexpected uh, if you've seen a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. So, my, my whole point being is that critics uh, criticize all these Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger movies uh, all throughout the 80s and 90s, and then he does something that's a little bit different, and what happens, he gets criticized again uh, for, because, oh, this is not what we expected. Uh, and so I think it's unfair in, in that regard, and there's a lot of good entertainment value here. Is it, you know, great? Is, uh, it's a uh, guilty pleasure for sure, but uh, it has enough good things going for it that uh, that I would recommend it. I want it to be an even more guilty pleasure than what it is. Like it, it has hints of it. I mean, when the <laughs> the devil comes to town uh, and I guess possesses uh, Mister Stigmata here, this was just the uh, the the year of uh, I guess demons at the movies for Gabriel Byrne. Um, he. He immediately, uh, in human form, <laughs> the first woman he sees, mm-hmm. uh, tweaks her nipple, grabs her breast, uh, French kisses her, uh, intimidates her date husband, and then blows up the building as he walks out. Now, that's quite <laughs> quite the introduction to our villain here. And I don't feel like the film, it doesn't match that sort of... Uh, that uh, reveling in, in carnage that the the devil has here, and um, I don't know who like I, I guess this 
uh, something that's more my problem, but like, you know, Jack Nicholson in, uh, is it the witches of Eastwick where he's the, the devil that comes mm-hmm. to that small town that, that version of it, uh, where it's like, you know, finally, uh, this, this being is unleashed, uh, to do what he set out to do as they always say for like centuries. Uh, you know, this has been some big master plan, um, I, I like that sort of enthusiasm from our villain here, but yet his his minions and the, the people talking about this plan they're always so they, they sound so bored with it all. Like I mean, if this is truly the end of days, it's like you know they're just punching the clock. This is like uh, you know characters from something like out of like nineteen eighty four or something. Like they're just going about their 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 business, and uh, I I'm just wondering where why does this have to be so. I guess just so serious about about everything when you when you introduce a guy that's uh you know uh, uh when he first first you know pair of breasts he sees he's got to have them like I, I'm I'm looking for like just a, a madman who's just going to uh have fun with this like some something like the Joker or something and uh the the rest of the film is just is just totally not that uh these these little gatherings we have of Satanists they just are the most boring, like unhip thing you could imagine. I don't even know why anyone would join this particular club. It's just, I, I don't get it, man. I, I, I'm just wondering where the enthusiasm is for their for their work that's about to uh, culminate in this big New Year's celebration of yet again the devil having sex with with someone, which is, you know, always a thing when it comes to these type of movies. Yeah, you know, these are all fair criticisms, uh, you know. <laughs> I really got hung up on the, the devil introduction when he just grabs a woman. See, but I really just, like that. And I really like that we don't get too. any sort of intro on who his character was before the, the devil possessed him. He just seems like some sort of random, regular, uh, nice-looking guy. And that, uh, you know, that, that, that's good enough for me. Uh, for for the type of genre that that this film is in and everything, um, there's definitely some silly uh, plot holes later on. Everyone's a Satanist, like everyone. <laughs> everyone Arnold knows is a member of this club. And uh, what I, what the I fuck, don't Marge? Hey, Marge, Marge, over here. We need your help. Oh, easy with the hardware. Jesus, Marge! What the fuck? It's okay, Jer. We just want the girl. Okay, tell me what the hell is going on here. I don't know. I don't believe you. All right, I'm coming out. Throw out the gun. Please don't leave me here. Please. Hands on your head. What? Hands on your head, now. What do you want with her, Marge? Huh? Why is she so important? Just the girl. You can kill him. <laughs> what? What? There's, I don't a, understand. there's like scene after scene of him, him just go, going, what the hell? Look, we introduce a guy. They know this man. They work with him uh, in various capacities. Um, he is suicidal and he blames God for mm-hmm. his, his life's miseries. No one thought to, to invite him to the book club? To the the black arts, no one. Th- I don't. Know, who are these friends? Like what? What are they doing? Like this is this is the guy you you want in your uh, you weekly Satanist meetings, and that's yeah. Talk about plot holes. I don't know. I I, I guess it's just um, it's just not 
not silly enough and not uh, fun enough for me. But this is See, this is in keeping with the stuff like Stigmata we talked about. You know, it's just okay. It's, stigmata in comparison, though. You know, Stigmata didn't let you enjoy it at all because no, it was so no. preoccupied with the the wounds that were going to mm-hmm. you know be procured upon Patricia Arquette, as though that is just some you know, yeah, who's not waiting to see that you know, like like kind of thing. <laughs> um, this movie, by by contrast, focuses more on action, spectacle, suspense. You know, you got a, a nice little uh, Last Temptation. Uh, of Arnold uh, scene in the middle here, uh, we, you know, which is good enough uh, that he gets a vision. Uh, the devil gives him a vision of, you know, uh, his uh, wife and child before they were taken from him. Um, you know, that's, you know, it's all, none of it's like great. None of it's like high minded or anything, but it's all for me, it's good enough. I, in general, I think this makes a good, uh, pairing with the uh, another P- Peter Himes movie from the mid '90s uh, called *The Relic*. Um, I knew this both was coming. Films, <laughs> both <laughs> films have a very similar, like dark and dingy uh, look. They look, you know, almost the opposite of of a Hollywood uh, production. And you know, today maybe not so much. Like we we definitely have become accustomed to watching some really, you know literally you know dark movies like like it's like you know the lack of light <laughs> uh in mm-hmm. in the film um but in the in the late 90s it was pretty ballsy to pay millions of dollars to to get Arnold Schwarzenegger and then light it in a way so that you can't tell uh that he's there um you know <laughs> it is not the commando way sir what what happened to this auteur who gave me time cop i mean i, I, <laughs> I haven't don't seen how time did cop. He, how did he lose his way um it's interesting. Like, like I recognize his name, and I just assume, like, oh yeah, he's just like kind of generic, like action guy. Because I remember, like, you know, Time Cop, uh, Sudden Death, I think was the hockey uh, Van Dam uh, action movie. Uh, but pretty much after End of Days, mm-hmm. uh, not a lot. This yeah. is kind of like the last big one here, and I, I don't remember. Was this? I thought this was a modest hit, but I guess I'm misremembering. Uh, I think it, it was sort of. It would have been a modest hit had it not. You know, cost so much. Basically, oh, okay. was the deal. So, have you seen Running Scared? I'm curious about that. No, I. I That's not. a good one. That's an entertaining film, and I, it took me a while. It took a few people convincing me to to finally check it out. But it's a buddy cop movie with uh, Billy Crystal and uh, Gregory Hines. Oh, okay. Yeah, I pulled it up now. I've seen this before, uh, and I think i just uh i have like an unnatural uh distaste for billy crystal (laughs) 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 so that's probably what's held me back on this one but i will uh i'll check it out you know i'm assuming this is it's going to provide the silly that i wanted so much from end of days it's pretty silly it's pretty silly uh but it's more more of a lethal weapon kind of way well we were well at least i was suitably negative on this episode. Well, see, but I don't really feel like, you know, come deeply, you know, defending uh, End of Days in the way that I did with Sleepy Hollow. I can see why you wouldn't like it. Um, mm. It's certainly not for everyone, and it's certainly not successful at everything it tries to do. Um, and in some regards, you're right. There's a lack of ambition there. I think the devil could have been more malicious. I wonder what that is about, like, the character of the devil, why... 
in movies, uh, particularly in like the last 20 years or so, uh, whenever the devil appears, he's really not that, you know, mischievous or anything. He's just like, mm-hmm. like, like in Al, like with Al Pacino with the devil's advocate, it's like, Oh, I've come back and now I'm going to, I'm going to put my finger in, in the holy water and make it boil. And woohoo, you know, like, uh, uh, so I'm with you on that. I, I, I don't understand why the devil can't be more, you know, um, underhanded uh in, in that way i always liked uh peter stormare and uh, constantine his uh brief appearance hmm. uh as satan was uh more my speed i guess T- taking uh uh taking i guess pride in his reputation and persona and having you know a bit of fun with being uh the devil so uh, but I, I think I like Constantine more than most. Constantine is actually probably what I would want something like End of Days to be. So uh, if you've not seen that one, um, maybe check it out. I don't know. Maybe this is like, maybe it's just too much, uh, you know, Devil and God uh, action movies for you in one one go. But uh, what do we? We don't have that. That is not from 1999. What do we have next, Ben? <laughs> yeah, if Enough the devil appears in in uh, our next movie, uh, it'll be pretty shocking. Uh, to say the least. So, uh, Robert Langdon uh, and... Okay. Um, so we got uh, Hanks. Um, Hanks. Oh, fuck. What's his name? You were doing... Uh, I think Tom Hanks, as far as I know, this was, uh, this was it. So I've, I've got uh, the 1999 film. But you were basically doing the Ricky Gervais bit from the Golden Globes here when he had to introduce... Uh, the two leads. Tim Allen, that's who you're looking I for, I know, right? but I can't think of a character name that everyone would associate Tim Allen with. Uh, yeah, so. that's, that's the bit. Yeah. <laughs> got, got nothing. Yeah, you got uh, it. I got it. Yeah, you got it. So what is it? Toy Story 2. There so go. Um, one I uh, film I saw once in theaters, I think, and that was it. Uh, only revisited for this podcast, so I do not have a long history and apparently I, I don't know i feel like i remembered liking it more than end of days but for whatever reason i gave end of days uh more chances uh uh to on repeat viewings for some reason so yeah uh pixar uh, was this Good i guess it was pixar well, well we'll get there but i, I think this is more <laughs> like the the pixar people know now which is you know sequels 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 and uh, more sequels uh-huh. but this was uh you know certainly in this time period was not the norm dream i had a dream where we did a podcast uh and and it it, it was called it was called that ain't woke bro and it was just you and me like on a weekly basis going going oh whoa whoa that movie what that guy just did that ain't woke bro and that was like our catchphrase which would probably be more successful (laughs) (laughs) 